running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. All right, here we go. Running Up the Score, I'm Jerry Napoleonello. I'm going to pivot here. For those of you that have listened or watched in the past, and for those of you that know me personally, know that I'm a crazy Dallas Cowboys fan, as you can see. And I'm living in enemy territory, living in New York. I'm going to alter the outlook of this show in a way that's going to be more styled towards me as a person and as a fan. The show now is going to be the NFL through a Dallas Cowboys fan's point of view. I'm going to try to be brutally honest as I can be, especially with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, So basically, let's dive into it. And what a better week to start altering this show in terms of the Dallas Cowboys than the Dallas Cowboys game Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers. All right, so I was definitely... uh, and I like to a point I still am in that boat of maybe Brock Purdy is just, you know, the perfect quarterback for that scheme. And it like that game kind of changed my mind on it, but also it was he was getting a lot of wide receivers and just, you know, running backs, whatever. He was getting a lot of receivers wide open and it was kind of concerning to me as a Cowboys fan because I went back and I started to watch the all 22 footage of just how the Dallas Cowboys play defense in this game now I believe I this is heading into week five the Cowboys were ranked number two in man coverage in terms of percentage and how much they play. Dallas Cowboys were number two in man coverage and 31st in zone coverage. Just going off of, you know, my knowledge of football and just, you know, what I've noticed throughout just the first, the first quarter, really. The Cowboys were in zone maybe 80 of the time, at least in what I had watched in terms of the first quarter. And it was concerning to me because it's like, you know, watching that game, it kind of, it kind of gave me, you know, a feeling of the Dallas Cowboys came into this game thinking, that they weren't as good as the, the San Francisco 49ers. That's that's the the outlook that I got as a Cowboys fan watching that game on Sunday night. That they just felt like they were outmatched. And they had to play a different way than that what they they should have been or what they were heading into that game. 
you know, they're a man team. Why not man up? So that was concerning. Then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, you're you're talking about this whole Texas coast, the the you know, basically the West Coast offense in Dallas. And, uh, you know, from what I saw earlier in the season, you know, within the first four weeks, you know, they they were easing into it, I guess. They were starting each week was getting better and better. Uh, they struggled against Arizona. But against the Jets, we really saw it. We really saw how good of an offense that it could be. And I just thought this whole game felt bigger than what the Dallas Cowboys, you know, it felt they thought that this game was bigger than just a regular week five game. And I, I understand that, you know, you just had two consecutive years end in the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. And yes, they are the best team in the league. But the Cowboys aren't far off. And what they showed Sunday night makes it seem like they are very far off. But they're really not. And I I understand what Micah was able to say in his podcast, you know, that they're really not that far off. But I just felt like they headed into that game with the thought that they weren't good enough to beat this team and they had to change what they were, what their identity was. And in terms of identity, it's kind of hard to to figure that out because, you know, they're going into these games and it's just like a different team every week. You know, and this is the reason, like, you know, the Cowboys are never going to come away from that that mantra of, you know, yeah, they're good now, but wait. It'll rear its ugly face, you know, at some point. And I mean, it's it's happened already this year, like three times. Week one, 40 nothing. Wow, this is the greatest team alive. Week two, they beat up on the Jets. Wow, this team is unbelievable. Week three, dud against the Arizona Cardinals. Then the questions start. What is this team? Are they just overrated? Then you come back against the Patriots and you hand Bill Belichick the worst loss in his NFL coaching career. Then you're like, all right, well, maybe just Arizona was a, you know, a hiccup. Everybody has hiccups. And then you go into San Francisco and you lay that kind of egg because the previous two years in the playoffs, their offense did not look good, but their defense stuck with them. They were close games. These were games that came down to the last drive. This game, and you know, it's just mind boggling because you would think that this team is better than they were the previous two seasons. So it's just a very odd, this this week was just a very odd week for the Dallas Cowboys. 
Now, for all of the other, you know, analysts, fans, even Dallas Cowboy fans, more Dallas Dallas Cowboy fans than anything, talking about Dak. Talking about Dak is the problem. Get rid of Dak. They're never going to win anything with Dak. Da-da-da-da-da. All right? You know, the, the lazy take is the interceptions. And it's a lazy take because Dak Prescott threw his first interception when they were down 28-10 to 10 with six minutes left in the third quarter. The game was over already. The second pick, the corner made a good play. Got his hand in there in the gut of, of Gallup, popped it up, and Fred Warner is just an absolute maniac. The third pick, I understand. It was a backup linebacker. Just it, it was just a very bad decision. But at that point, it's already 41 to 10. 42 to 10, whatever it was. Don't give me that these picks were the reason that the Dallas Cowboys lost. The Dallas Cowboys lost because the defense did not come up with any stops and the offense couldn't get anything going. So yes, you know, Dak could shoulder some of the blame, but you better put some of the blame on Mike McCarthy. You better put some of the blame on Micah Parsons. You better put some of the blame on Leighton Vanderesh, on Stefan Gilmore, on Tony Pollard. This is this is where it comes down to uh, my issue with the Dallas Cowboys this year. And I've been saying it for the previous two, three years because everybody's like, we got to get rid of Zeke. We got to get rid of Zeke. Tony Pollard's the guy. Da, da, da. No, Tony Pollard's not the guy. And I said this on Twitter. It's just the thing with Tony Pollard, he's not a feature back. He's not. And he's shown that. We've been through five weeks. Five weeks. And he hasn't had a game like he's had the previous three three years. Tony Pollard was almost averaging six yards a carry the last two, three years. The reason why everybody was like, oh, we got to get rid of Zeke. We're, we're having issues in the red zone. That has a lot to do with the running back. We're having issues getting drives going. That has a lot to do with the running back. The Dallas Cowboys would like to run the ball, but they're having issues running the ball. Mind you, we haven't had a, a starting, you know, full five until last, you know, this Sunday night. But that's no excuse. Because they haven't had that. They haven't had the starting five that they expected to start since 2021. And they were still able to run the ball. People don't understand the the impact that, that Zeke had. Yeah, he may be having, you know, a an 18 rush, 20 rush game for 80 something yards. But you know what he's doing? He's a guy that he's going to make it hurt for tackling him. That's Zeke. That's what Zeke does to the offense. 
Tony Pollard's not going to do that. Tony Pollard's going to try to run past you. That's why he was having such good games and such good seasons the previous two or three seasons because Zeke was beating him up and Tony Pollard was running past him. So I'm in the boat that running back does matter. And I know the NFL is in a different way of thinking because, you know, just look at the the Super Bowl winners. But also look at the quarterbacks that were the Super Bowls, Super Bowl winners of those teams. They're a little different. Now, mind you, I'm also, at first, wasn't a big Dak fan. I didn't think he was as good as, you know, people thought he was when they went 13-3 and that year. Huge Tony Romo fan. And the funniest thing is, it's kind of like a, like literally a complete circle. Complete circle with the Dallas Cowboy fans. Tony Romo was hated by Dallas Cowboy fans. Hated. But I can guarantee you right now, they wish Tony Romo was the quarterback of this, this Dallas Cowboys team. Because I do. But I'm also not going to sit here and say Dak Prescott sucks. I'm not going to do it because he doesn't. And I'm not going to sit here that Mike McCarthy sucks as well because I think he's a good I I honestly think he's a good head coach and I think he's a good offensive mind. But I feel like there's times where you know the Dallas Cowboys go into these games and they just, I don't know if they get overhyped and they get too, you know, over themselves and they just lay flat on their face. I don't know what it is. But I really don't think the gap is as big as it is, as people think in terms of the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of running backs, Jonathan Taylor re-signed with the Colts. He ended up playing not much, but he did play, signed his contract. He got a three-year, $42 million deal. The unfortunate thing for the the, uh, Indianapolis Colts this week, Anthony Richardson hurt his shoulder. He will probably be out for a month. But again, and I've said this, I've already said this this year, is there a better backup quarterback than Gardner Minshew? I mean, the guy, and you know, and it's funny because I'm I'm watching the games with my buddy, and Gardner Minshew comes in and he starts lighting it up, like Gardner Minshew does. And uh, you know, I looked over at my buddy and I was like, you know, it's so weird because Gardner Minshew, when he comes into a game, he's like the total opposite of any quarterback, because when he comes in the middle of a game, lights it up, absolutely lights it up. When he starts a game, not great. It's very weird with Gardner Minshew. But Anthony Richardson will be out for a month. And Gardner Minshew will be taking over. Bill Belichick, back-to-back historic losses. As I said before, Dallas Cowboys gave him the worst loss he's ever had as a head coach in the NFL. Well, right behind that was the loss to the Saints. So, is Bill Belichick losing it? I don't know. You know, it, it's it's crazy because 
you know, you look at like Bill Belichick and, you know, the, the question was always, was it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? And it, it, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough question because when you really look at what the team that he has in New England, I, I mean, not many coaches or teams are going to play well with not that great of a quarterback. And honestly, I, I think a lot has to do with with scheme. I mean, it was a perfect example in, in Sunday night. The scheme that the San Francisco 49ers ran on offense was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And honestly, I think you could have plugged in any quarterback. And this is the reason why I feel the way I do about Brock Purdy. Now, Brock Purdy, I feel, is a, a very smart quarterback. He, uh, you know, all they all they kept saying during the broadcast was that he processes, you know, quickly, something that you really don't see in a 23-year-old or whatever he is. But they also kept mentioning he doesn't have, a, you know, that great of an arm and, you know, he's not that big. And so, honestly, I think you can plug in really any quarterback into that scheme. And what was going on with Trey Lance is a little different. I don't understand it. But that it's... We'll see. So, back-to-back losses for Bill Belichick. Is he done? I don't know. You know, it's it's a tough question to ask. A uh, tough question to answer. Um... Then you go on to the Denver Broncos and the Jets. And honestly, the question that we should all, you know, ask is, should Sean Payton be on the hot seat in Denver five games into the season? Because already, now, mind you, Denver really doesn't have a bad team, talent-wise. So when you look at it, they've already given up 70 points to one team and then you lose to the Jets. It's you know, you're already you're already not going to win the division because of the division that you're in. And you're I I don't think you're going to make the playoffs because of just how bad you are. So honestly, I mean, I really think he should be. I mean, no, and and it sucks because the Denver Broncos traded for Sean Payton. They traded for him. So it's it's kind of like you're in a a tough spot because you traded capital for him. Like this team in a way, kind of feels like it needs to be totally blown up. But should he be on the, you know, should he be on the the hot seat? Why not? (laughs) I mean, they haven't even shown a sign of like, all right, we're going to be okay. 
Like it's just a you know a blip. No, they're they're showing like they're bad. <laughs> they're bad. And what the Jets were able to do, Nathaniel Hackett really kind of you know rubbing it in after the the comments that Sean Payton made over the uh, the off season. I mean. Good for the Jets. Good for Zach Wilson. Good for Nathaniel Hackett. The the pick that Zach Wilson had at the end of the game. I mean, it kind of goes either way. It, you know, it was probably supposed to be a, a back shoulder. Uh, you know, he kind of threw it too far inside, but it did go through Garrett Wilson's hands. And Patrick Sertan had to catch it in between his legs. So it goes either way. But Zach Wilson, another decent game. You get a win, that's good. Uh, Dolphins, another AFC East team. They, uh, I mean, they did it again. They played well against the Giants. The issue, you know, because they're they're showing like all time offensive numbers. I mean, just, you know, between Tyreek, Jalen Waddell, even Raheem Mostert, and then you got uh, Devon A-Chain, which that's who I really want to talk about. Uh, he's expected to miss multiple games. So that's a, that's definitely, that definitely hurts. And how that changes their offense a little bit will be, you know, will remain to be seen. But I still think they have a lot of firepower on that offense. And, I mean, I think they'll be all right. But as long as it's not – because they, ha- they said that it, it's not going to be season-ending, but they're still kind of monitoring it and seeing what is what. Uh, you know, and these these issues have brought up the whole turf and grass thing. And we spoke about this like two weeks ago, whatever it was. The Bengals. Joe Burrow. Looking like Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase looking like Jamar Chase. This is the Bengals that we were expecting all season. Is this the Bengals that we're going to see for the rest of the season? That remains to be seen. But it's a nice step. Their offensive line is still bad, but the fact that Joe Burrow possibly is getting healthier, that's that's amazing for the for the Bengals and for me because I bet the Bengals to win the division. Um, Lions gave the Panthers the business, and even without Amon Ross St. Brown and without Jameer Gibbs, I mean they did what they they were expected to do against the Panthers. The Panthers. Still the only winless team. Bryce Young still with his his struggles. You know, it, it's funny because you look at Bryce Young and then you look at C.J. Stroud and you're like, how did Bryce Young end up being the first pick? C.J. Stroud, it looks like a stud. Although they did uh, take a loss against the Falcons, but still played well. Still, I think, is the only... Uh, it's like he broke a record for the most attempts as a rookie without a pick. So, you know, CJ Stroud's doing his thing. 
Texans aren't that great of a team, so it's understandable. But you take the Atlanta Falcons, who are a better team, to the brink in Atlanta. I mean, that's you know big for uh, C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Talking about other injuries, it came down today that Justin Jefferson was placed on IR. He'll miss at least four games. And now this is the question that arises. Now, the Vikings are 1-4. Should the Vikings now trade away Kirk Cousins and hope for a top-five pick? Now, when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings are pretty well-constructed. You look at their wide receivers, Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson, they, they, you know, K.J. Osborne, they have very good wide receivers. Their offensive line is pretty decent. Alexander Madison's decent. Their defense is pretty decent. So this is a team that potentially you get a new quarterback in there. You might end up being able to to do some things, you know, in the future. And this is the perfect time that you could draft a top five quarterback. Because when you look at it, and, I, and I'm always going to turn it back to the Dallas Cowboys. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys, okay, Tony Romo got hurt in 2015. They go into the 2016 draft as a top 10 pick. I think they took, I think they were number four that year, I believe. They go in and again, you have Tony Romo coming back. You have a very good team, Des Bryant, Jason Witten. Their offensive line was still one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Um, the defense was getting better. And you look at, all right, well, let's take the best available. They end up taking Zeke. And then you go into 2016, and eventually you took Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> and... You end up going 13-3, and three. obviously not, you know, not doing much. But you take Zeke and you take Dak in that draft and you just, you build off of it. You know, the Cowboys had a good enough team that they could build off of it. It's not like these teams like the Panthers or the Texans where the quarterback is, you know, not only the problem. So the Vikings are in a decent spot right now where, yeah, it sucks to be 1-4. and four. But you have an aging Kirk Cousins as, as quarterback, and you're still not winning. And now you got your best wide receiver and the best player on the team and best wide receiver in the league now on the shelf for at least four games. Just tank at this point. I can name a couple of teams that would love to trade for Kirk Cousins. So, you know, this this might be the perfect time for the Vikings to move on from Kirk Cousins and try to hope for a top five pick because this is also a very deep quarterback draft class. So this is the spot. This is the time for the Vikings to, to really go after it. Bills take the L in London, 9.30 game. You know, sometimes it's actually pretty nice 
You know, you wake up. I, I mean, I'm on the East Coast, so I wake up 9.30 a.m. watching a game. I mean, it's tough for the West Coast because the game's at 6.30. Uh, but 9 a.m., I mean, you're getting ready, eating breakfast, watching the game. Go up, take a shower quick. Then you sit down on the couch and watch the rest of football from 1 o'clock on. So I actually enjoy it. But Jaguars get the win. I think a lot a lot of this win had to do with, you know, the Jaguars were in London for two weeks now. So they were acclimated. I mean, even Tre- uh, ETN mentioned it saying, you know, it was it was nice. They weren't jet lagged. Like everything was was kind of regular. So I think that had a decent amount to do with what was going on in that game. And then on top of it, the, the Bills are just dropping like flies on defense now. I mean, the amount of injuries that they have on defense, it's it's concerning moving forward. You know, you have one of the better linebackers in the league in Milano. He's out now. You have one of the better cornerbacks in the league, Tredavious White. He's out now. They just signed Josh Norman out of a grocery store. I mean, it's tough. You know, Von Miller ended up leaving that game after, you know, finally coming back. Uh, I know Ed Oliver got hurt in that game. So yeah, it's it's gonna be uh it's gonna be tough for, for the Bills, but you know, just watching, you know, Josh Allen again, you know, I, I've said this over and over again. This this guy is the second best quarterback in the league. It's not even you know, it's not even fair sometimes watching him play. And for people to to think about the the interceptions and stuff like that, like, come on now. Like just watch him play. You know it. It's it's unbelievable. It really is. That last drive that, you know, brought them close with potentially getting an onside kick after that. That he made that look easy. Did it in three plays, went down the field in three plays. Not even breaking a sweat. Maybe drop maybe forty seconds if that. He made it look easy. But that's basically week five in a nutshell. We're going to get into the power rankings. Ruts Sports NFL Power Rankings for week five. I'm going to go from 10 to 1. They had a bye. They go against the Dallas Cowboys Monday night, week six. My number 10 pick is the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are still one of those teams that it's just like they're so good. And I've said this every year, the last three, four, five years. They're so good, but they just fall apart. Like they look like one of the best teams in the league, and then they look like one of the worst teams in the league. They're kind of like the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, So the Chargers, I have them at number 10. At number 9, I have the New Orleans Saints. Saints did what they had to do against the Patriots and handed Bill Belichick the second worst loss in his coaching career. Back-to-back weeks. Number eight I have is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are just one of those teams that I'm like, you know, I, I want them to do well. And I think a lot of people want them to do well. Trevor Lawrence is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They went to London, pulled out two wins in London, coming back now. I think just with the the division that they're in, this is perfect time for Jacksonville to really make a move. Uh, 
Number seven I have is the Buffalo Bills. I understand that the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Bills, but the Bills just overall, and this they might drop now just because of the defense, but I still you know, have that offense just being one of the best in the league, and I think that they should be number seven. Number six I have is the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are actually really teetering on being out of the top ten. If they lose to the Los Angeles Chargers, Monday night, they will be out of the top 10. No questions asked. Number five, as the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, without two of their better players, they did what they had to do. I mean, it it was against the Panthers, but the Lions and Jared Goff just have been unbelievable for the last two, three years. So I have the uh, Detroit Lions at number five. Number four, I have at the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, they're just, I mean, really, they would be probably number two if they didn't lose to the Bills the previous week. But they're at number four. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, again, you know, it was a little bit of a uh, a close call towards the end of the Minnesota game, but they pull out the dub. They're my number three pick. Number two is the Philadelphia Eagles. These two teams, it pains me to say and pains me to put them at number one and number two. But the Eagles are number two. They're undefeated. They're undefeated. They haven't played to their expectations, especially after last year. But they're winning. And that's all that counts. Number one, the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers, from me watching the Dallas Cowboys Every game from start to finish, what I've seen from the Dallas Cowboys, it's it's unbelievable how good of a team they are. And the San Francisco 49ers made them look like they were the 32nd ranked team in the league. So yes, the San Francisco 49ers are the first, they're the number one team in the league. They're the best team. And right now, they're, it's a pretty pretty big jump to number two for the Eagles. Then we're going to get into a little two-minute warning. Ah, the two-minute warning. Give the scores from the week that was week five. Thursday night football, the Bears beat up on the Commanders 40-20. to Then we move on to Sundays, Jaguars 25, Bills 20, Titans 16, Colts 23, Saints 34 zip against the Patriots, Steelers come back at the end to beat the Ravens 17-10, to the Falcons... Pull out the win at the end of the game. Falcons 21, Texans 19. The Lions beat up on the Panthers 42-24. Jared Goff and that team are rolling. The Dolphins beat up on the Giants 31-16. They gave a little scare in the first half, but then they did their dominance in the second half. The Bengals absolutely torched the Cardinals 34-20. Jamar Chase, three tutties. Eagles beat up on the Rams 23-14. Jets get the dub against the Broncos 31-21. The Chiefs pull out the victory at the end 27-20. Then we move on to Sunday Night Football. The massacre that was San Francisco 49ers pulling out the dub 42-10 over the Dallas Cowboys. And then Monday night, last night, the Raiders squeaking out a win against the Packers. 17 
to 13. That will do it for the week five recap. I'll be back probably Thursday or Friday with betting trends, the picks, and the previews for week six. But that will do it. I'm Jerry. Be breezy.